The following podcast was made possible by the sponsorship of Teresa Leong Lee and by Catholic Digital Resources, where you can find downloadable faith formation resources and evangelization tools. Visit Catholic Digital Resources at CatholicDR.com to build your own faith and the faith of others. That's CatholicDR.com. Hi, I'm Terry Modica, and I want to welcome you into a retreat that was recorded live at St. Patrick Catholic Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 2013. Entitled Celebrating God's Love in Your Domestic Home Church, it focused on God's design for family life and the vocation of marriage. In part one, we look at what God's radical love means. It's the root of all successful Christian living. It's the root of our joy. It's the root of our connection to God and our connection to each other, including loved ones who have gone home to heaven. Do you need more of this in your family relationships today? Listen in. The handouts given to people who attended this retreat are available to you on our website. To find the link, see the show notes for this podcast, or go to our website, gnm-media.org and select the video on God's radical love. Let's begin now with a prayer to open yourself to all that the Holy Spirit wants to reveal to you. Pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, teach me. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. When Beth told me the theme of your retreat, what delighted me about it, you know, talking about how you all belong to the domestic church, your home church, is very important, and that's what we're going to be unpacking today, exploring that. Uh, and what really excited me about it was how we have these new words at Mass that says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but say the word, and my soul shall be healed. We're going to explore throughout the course of this morning session and this afternoon session, what that means. Because I think we've lost, we used to have an understanding, haven't we? Lord, I am not worthy to receive you. I'm truly not worthy to receive you. But if you say the word, I can receive you. You make me worthy. Now it's like, under my roof? You know, uh, am I supposed to take the Eucharist home with me now and, and then receive communion there? Obviously, we know that's not what this is all about. So we're going to be talking today about the, the meaning of what we are actually praying during that part of Mass. It's about us, first of all, but it's about our taking Jesus into our domestic church. And what do we do with that there? The theme that goes along with this, which is the theme that I use in all my speaking engagements one way or another, is God's radical love. The word radical means uh, root. Just like the word radish is a root vegetable, the, the, uh, the word radical, as I'm using in radical love, it's the root of all successful Christian living. It's the root of our joy. It's the root of our connection to God. It's the root of our connection to each other, to our family members, our spouses, including spouses who have gone on to heaven. Because, as you know, we are all one body. We sang that in church this morning. If you attended Mass during the communion meditation, we sang these words, one bread, one body, one Lord of all, one cup of blessing which we bless. 
and we, though many, throughout the earth, we are one body in this one Lord. And as you know, the communion of saints is part of that body. And the communion of saints is who? Us and the canonized saints and everybody who goes to heaven and those who are in purgatory, which I say just the suburbs of heaven. <laughs> John Paul II had said that when writing about purgatory, that it is a place of joy because we've been set free from the trials of earth, the temptations of earth, the demons of earth to really, you know, you know scripture says the devil seeks the ruin of souls, he prowls around the earth, you know, and, and where do temptations come from after all? So the, those, the souls of purgatory that you know who are in your family, who are part of your domestic church, are in joy and they are in the Lord. So this is all part of the communion of saints. We are all connected to one another. And that's what radical love does. Radical love began when God chose to create mankind, humankind, in his own image. And because of generation after generation of, from Adam and Eve down through the centuries of people disconnecting themselves from that radical love, Jesus had to come, which is what we're preparing to reflect on why Jesus came, isn't it? Isn't that what Advent's about? That's part of my goal today, is to help us prepare for Advent, which is a preparation for Christmas, which really is all about having Jesus be born anew in our lives, our hearts, our domestic churches. Christmas is a family event because it's our domestic celebration. Our domestic mass, so to speak, is when we worship Jesus and his coming into the world on Christmas morning and have our Christmas meal together. Our Christmas banquet is our domestic church's version of the mass. We're going to be taking a deeper look at what this radical love does. As you know, Jesus was, it was a radical thing that God did by becoming one of us. But it wasn't just to be born among us, it was, of course, as we all know, to die taking our sins upon himself so that we could be forever reconnected to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever in eternity. That's what radical love has done for us. It's given us a connection to God because God loved us so radically that he decided he wanted us to exist. None of you are on this earth by accident. Scientists tell us that the amount of sperm that, that go swimming after that egg are, I think it's 200 million to one chance of you being created. Out of that 200 million chances for you to be created, God created you deliberately, consciously, not by accident. No matter what the circumstances of your conception, that's his radical love for you. And in turn, we're called to give God's radical love to others, starting with our domestic church. And then from there, we go out beyond that. However, we do that poorly because we don't fully understand God's radical love for us. It's very hard to give radically our love to others if we don't 
fully understand God's radical love for us. We can only love others to the extent that we know we are loved by God. You know, we all have people in our lives who are not loving us as much as God is calling them to love us. As a matter of fact, if you could give a number to how many people are in your lives, that's how much people are not loving you to the extent God is calling them to love you. Because we're all imperfect. Until we are in heaven, we are unable to perfectly love. You know, scripture says that we are to be made perfect. But the word perfect in scripture is not talking about perfectionism. It's talking about loving fully. Being fully immersed in God's love and giving his love fully. Because God is love. God is radical love. And radical love, for example, which Jesus showed us on the cross, is making sacrifice for others. It's loving when it's hard to love. But, as I said in the beginning, this is the secret to joy. This is the secret to successful Christian living. So with that background of what radical love is and what the domestic church is, let's look at the handout that's called the domestic church, its secret true identity. Perfection is radically loving one another, which means unconditional, always forgiving. Jesus said, how many times are we to forgive? Seven times 70. And sometimes the same person requires that from us in one day. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's radical love. But we don't really find it easy to forgive somebody if we don't know how forgiven we are by God. And guess what? We can't know how forgiven we are by God if we're not in touch with what, how much we need his forgiveness. If we're not doing examination of consciences. And there's lots of ways we avoid looking at our consciences in today's modern world. The television, for example. And I don't mean that television is evil. Yes, there are some things on it that are evil. But we can be selective in what we watch. But it's a distraction. How, don't raise your hands, but how many have prayer lives every day that last longer than half an hour? How can we possibly get in touch, get, feel the connection to God's radical love for us if we are not immersing ourselves in awareness of God's radical love through prayer, through scripture reading, reading spiritual books? If you didn't talk to your spouse or your best friend for more than 30 minutes a day, do you think there's going to be some lack of communication? the lack of information exchange that might be important to share. There are so many distractions in our world today. It's multiplied from the way it used to be. Exponentially multiplied. What are some of these distractions? Cell phones, as in, how is a cell phone a distraction? It, it can interrupt. We can spend a lot of time texting. You know, I think someday soon our schools are going to need to provide a communications course because the youth are side by side with their best friend texting each other, <laughs> looking at the screen instead. They don't know how to read body language because they're not looking at each other. And scientists say that, that most of our communication is done through body language. Skype is good because, or some other online tool where you can see each other, because at least you can see the face. 
emails are a terrible way to communicate. How many people, you don't have to raise your hand on this, how many people have had emails that projected, you interpreted it as differently than the sender intended, or vice versa, you sent an email and they took it the wrong way? Because they couldn't see your face and hear the tone of your voice. Texting does the same thing except shorter. And what are some of the other distractions we have? Television, yeah. And speaking of television, we've grown from where the family gathered around the black and white set, which came out of from the days when the family gathered around the radio, and it was a family gathering time. And now we have, in very many homes, a TV in every room. Each child in the family has their own television set. And if not that, they've got their own computer with which they can connect to television shows or other forms of entertainment online. Which video on YouTube has gone viral today? There are some really cute cat viral videos. <laughs> and I, I, I like finding them and sharing them with my daughter who is 31 because she has a cat and it's one of the ways that we communicate. I do communicate my love to her by saying, oh, look what I found. You're going to enjoy this. But if I were to spend lots of time looking for another cat video, another cat video, another cat video to send to her, my husband starts to miss out on my attention. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the internet. And it's so easy to you go to the internet for news. And there's such a plethora of news on there. And everybody's got a comment. And you start reading those comments, and they start getting angry. <laughs> At least I do. And then you want to write to them. You write your own comment. What I've done in my life is I've disciplined, because of God speaking to me and, and, and asking me to do this, I don't look at the news very much at all, because I figure if it's important enough, like the typhoon in the Philippines, if it's important enough, it's going to come to my attention. I don't need to spend a whole lot of time looking at the news, because isn't it depressing? You know, there's so much, and, and it, there's so much that's depressing in the news. And if it's important enough, we'll find out about it. And then we can go learn a little bit more about it, and then go into prayer for those Filipinos or whatever the situation is. And how many of us, when we hear about a murder on the news, stop and pray for the family of the victim? How many of us stop and pray for the murderer? that he be saved before he dies, so that he can spend eternity with God. If we don't do it, who will? Very often, there's nobody in the murderer's life doing that, which is why he became a murderer. There's a lot of illness, a lot of mental problems, a lot of spiritual illness in the homes, the domestic churches that he came from is very dysfunctional and wounded and lacking in radical love. You probably heard this asked. If God is real, why is there so much evil in the world? The answer is, who's the body of Christ on earth? We are. What are we doing to bring an end to evil? Not just, what's the priest doing? Not just, what's that organization doing to feed the homeless? We are all part of the body. We are all part of radical love. And if all the Christians in the world got this point, understood, took ownership of this, this truth, there'd be a whole lot less evil. Can you imagine how much evil would be defeated because we're all 
the arms and feet and voice and smile of Jesus. How many of you can raise your hand on this? How many have been the smile of Jesus for someone today? How many have smiled today? <laughs> then you've all been the smile of Jesus. Did you know that? How many of you have said an encouraging word to somebody today? You have been the words of Jesus. You've been the mouth of Jesus. Everything good that we do comes from God. The source of all goodness. The source of radical love. See, you are already the hands and feet and smile of Jesus. Now we need to go forth and take greater ownership of that and use that power that's in that to transform the world. We feel alone. Oh, it's too much. There's too much bad in the world. I can't do anything about it. You're right. I can't do anything about it. Nobody by themselves can. We're all part of the body. We're all connected to each other or we're supposed to be. Sin is disconnection from radical love. Disconnection from each other. When I am angry at my husband Ralph, I have disconnected myself from him and from our love that we're supposed to be exchanging. Now, I may be justified in my anger, but what did Jesus do? He got justifiably angry a few times. We all know, for example, about the, you know, he threw the, the money changers' tables over in the temple. And that probably wasn't the only time, it's just the recorded time. He was doing that against an injustice and a violation of God's holiness. And we are supposed to get angry at that. But Ephesians 6 says that we're not supposed to be getting angry at each other for a very important reason. Verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 10 says, starting at verse 10 says, Finally draw your strength from the Lord and from his mighty power. Put on the armor of God, so that you may be able to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. For, and this is the key verse here, verse 12. For, our struggle is not with flesh and blood. Our struggle is not with each other. Our struggle is not with the ex-spouse. Our struggle is not with the children who are disobedient. The struggle is not with the, the, the boss at work who is being unfair and how he's treating us. For, our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities with the powers and the world rulers of this present darkness. In other words, with the evil spirits that prowl the, the earth, looking to destroy, looking to disconnect us from God's radical love. So when we consider the fact that somebody that we're upset with, such as when I'm angry at Ralph, and it's because he didn't do things my way, that's not fighting an injustice. That's fighting my enemy. Because an enemy is anyone whose will is different than ours at a given moment. Anyone whose will opposes our will, at that moment, they are our enemy and we are theirs. And what did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount about how to treat our enemies? Love your enemies. Sermon on the Mount, great book to go through. I mean, a great three book of chapters to go through. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Go through them. On your own. On my, on my website, the Buddhist Ministries website, which is gnm.org, and there's information at the footnotes of your, uh, at the bottom of, of your handouts. There is a, uh, a Bible study that I have on there that you can get, you can download as a PDF file called Holy Living, and it's 
breaks down the Sermon on the Mount little bit by little bit, little bit with discussion questions. Great for using in, in your domestic church for Bible study, or as a church Bible study group, or on your own. Because in the Sermon on the Mount is when Jesus really lays it out very thoroughly what radical love is all about, and how to live radical love. Going the extra mile comes from there. We mentioned, somebody mentioned about the distraction of work. Work is a necessity. Work is sometimes an interference because we work too long, we burn out, maybe we have too many jobs in the household. Let's look at, again, the handout. How has the world been eroding your family's life together? This is something that we've been discussing, and I'm sure you can come up with even more things. For several decades, the media and other influence have been reshaping the image of family life from what God designed it to be. What are some examples of this? How has the media reshaped family life? The political division. Okay, political fighting, battles, yes. Reality TV. Reality TV. How does that be more family life? Because people think that that's true. And that's how you're supposed to act. There you go. It becomes a model to imitate. What else? How else has TV eroded? I mean, how else has the media eroded? What are some examples of how the media has reshaped our idea of family life? It puts more emphasis, especially ads, you know, on, on materialism. It reshapes us into being more materialistic. And what happens? As you mentioned, what happens is we start accumulating more, and when you start accumulating more, because you think uh, you think I can't be happy without this more, that's the message that's coming across. Are you unhappy? Yes, we all have unhappiness. Well, the solution is get this better deodorant. But what happens when we want more? We have to have more income, right? And so we. The media has reshaped us into a world where both parents work. When I was growing up, and probably many of you, we had one income in the family, and we all managed to live off of that. Even in some of uh, the homes where there was very little possession. When I was growing up, I had three pairs of shoes. One for play, they were called play shoes. One for school, they were called school shoes. <laughs> And went for church, which is called church shoes. And that was it. How many shoes do we have in our closets today? And how many shoes do our kids have? And how expensive must those shoes be? You know, it's got to be the one that's advertised, which is $100 sneakers. And so we have to earn more money. And we can no longer get by with a one-income family. And we also have to have the bigger house, right? I shared a bedroom with my sister. We have to have houses today, many people, probably nobody here, but we have to have houses where each child has their own room with their own TV and their own computer and their own video games. It's disconnection going on here. It's the antithesis of radical love. It works against our domestic church. It breaks down families. It breaks down relationships. Many years ago, uh, Ralph and I were ministering to a couple 
who uh, they were having a lot of marriage problems, and they had a daughter, and of course she was suffering from this. But what they felt the Lord calling them to do was to throw out the television. I thought it was a little drastic. Gain control, self-discipline over when you turn that thing on. But that's what saved their marriage, because they used the time to communicate with each other. Sometimes you have to do something drastic. This podcast was made possible by supporters of Good News Ministries who hope to strengthen and build your faith. If this episode speaks to your heart, then I ask you to pass it along to your family and friends. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Forward it by text and email. And let us know what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. How has this episode made a difference? You can contact me through the Good News Ministries website at gnm.org or by texting me if you are one of our subscribers on WhatsApp. May I ask a favor of you? Please cover this life-changing podcast ministry in your daily prayers. And if you can, help me continue making these podcasts by becoming a sponsor. Any donation is helpful, but we are especially seeking sponsors for upcoming episodes. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.